Scoob's house. All right, there was no spring football game, but that does not mean there was no spring football to be talked about by Dana Hogerson on Monday. Let's get into what he had to say. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougars, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you get the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. Uh, remember, we are giving a signed Jairus Walker jersey away when we get to a thousand subscribers. So make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. We're doing some giveaway every 250. They've gone really well so far. So remember, at a thousand, we are giving away that Jairus Walker signed jersey. You got to make sure you go down and hit subscribe and be commenting and liking the videos. I actually got it right here. Um, it's a pretty, pretty nice little thing to hang up in your man cave or dorm room if you're a student, or what have you. I'd recommend putting it in a frame if you're a, a, a dorm room guy, but what, whatever you have, right? Um, so again, you got to be liking, commenting, uh, subscribing to make sure we get to 1,000. And if after listening to this, you're like, hey, I'd rather talk about basketball than football because this is a fairly football-heavy episode, obviously. Uh, tell us down below, do you eat peeps? Do you eat peeps? All right, so today's episode is going to have a couple things. One, we're going to talk first, uh, I guess first two segments, both going to be about what Dana said in his media availability after the debacle that was the spring game that was no spring game last week. Uh, so we're going to first start off talking about him, talking about the spring game as a whole. In the second part, we'll talk about the roster after some of the stuff he said, as well as some of the stuff that I was hearing based on the practices they had at the end of the week last week. And then in the third and final segment, I want to talk some about uh, two or three guys in the portal that may still pop up. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more movement about to happen in the transfer portal in football. Spring practices and spring games underway. People are going to get disgruntled and want to leave. Um, but a couple names I've got an eye on um, in the earliest stages, and it sounds like the Houston Cougars have their eyes on the portal as well, even if they're not necessarily the same names that I'm looking at. Anyway, the biggest thing Dana said, though, um, in the most Dana way possible was that it was good to get through 15 practices as the maximum allotted by the NCAA without any major injuries. And he mentioned that everyone that played did improve. It was more of an individual technique kind of improvement of the course of the month. Um, he mentioned that it was the most interesting spring he's had. I mean, you opened up with several guys, you know, banged up shoulder here, banged up this there. Alton McCaskill played in the green jersey for several weeks of it. Um, true quarterback competition happening, uh, weather ru ruins the idea of a spring game at the end of it. All those things add up to be what I understand to be a fairly uh, unique uh, spring set of practices. And Dana Holgerson had had, uh, had to admit as much himself. He mentioned um, that uh, it was exactly like you and I concluded the other day that they had to have their 15th practice on Friday night one going to be able to play on an outdoor surface or in the outdoors Friday night, especially now with a bunch of people there. And so that meant they had to go indoors. Indoors meant no fans. Um, he did not address if there was any other uh, plan B's looked into. I have to say that personally, you and I talked last week, I can't believe that the plan B was a plan B without fans after, you know, if you're scheduling plan B's into the spring in Houston, you would think you'd account for potential bad weather. Um, 
you know, not up to me, but I, I think that is a misstep on the whole. He did mention, though, that in the fall and August practices, they will have a uh, open to fans practice. Uh, come out and watch the guys practice uh, probably at TDCU. He didn't say that, but I'm assuming. And then afterwards, they'll have some sort of like availability and autographs and, and shake coach's hand or, or whatever. Right. Like, so that part of the spring game, I guess, is theoretically going to happen in the fall. And outside of it being like. 105 degrees in August and creating you know, 98% humidity. I don't imagine any rain throwing that off. Although I'd imagine after this debacle, you probably feel like you might need some sort of a um, plan B that works. Um, he also was quick to point out, and this was in a later part of the conversation that, um, you know, he has been told to just coach the football team. And he maintains that there's other people in HR and marketing that are better at those kinds of things than him. And they're running those kinds of things. Um, I think that feels like a little bit of deflection, but I also have to, you know, admit that these kinds of things are not his strength. And so it makes sense that someone be telling him in his ear, Hey, let someone else like, like the other people handle those kinds of things. Other interesting tidbits about the spring as a whole and looking back at the whole thing he was really, really impressed um, by the way that the 16 new bodies that they got in January worked into the fold. He mentioned some receivers by name, and I like that he mentioned David Aguagu uh, from uh, Oklahoma, the pass rusher, played some linebacker at OU. He's come down to rush the passer at Houston. Uh, I mentioned some guys like he or Hassan Hippolyte, guys that are changing positions, uh, had a pretty successful spring in transitioning into learning their new techniques at the new positions. Dory Hossey and Ish Hamilton are also, it sounds like, fairly impact players on the back half of the defense after a successful spring. They fit right in very well. I'd say that uh, I, I talked to a couple people that were uh, watching these things very closely, and Hamilton is uh, the Texas Southern transfer at corner. Right. A um, little bit older guy, veteran guy moving into the Big 12. I see Texas Southern is kind of a big jump. And it sounds like even with how much talent Houston has at wide receiver, he was able to hold his own. I think that's a good sign for him. I wouldn't. People are like, what does that mean? I think that's a good sign for him, not a bad sign about receivers. We know our receivers are pretty, pretty strong. Um, I don't think that every question was answered. I think there's lots of stuff. I mean, those guys all fit in, but there are plenty of questions left to be had. Um, frankly, it does not sound like Houston is done with the quarterback duel at all. We'll talk more about that in the second segment with the rosters. Um, but I, I think that this idea that like because of how limited the roster was, I mean, Holgerson himself admitted that they had between 60 and 65 percent of the roster there, right? Between guys like Brandon Campbell's banged up. Uh, Michael Harrison Pilot is going to be a big part of this team, but he is finishing his high school senior year, right? Like you just don't know, like. A lot of those guys aren't on the roster yet. You also have spots available to go hit the spring window of the transfer portal. And so those are maybe unknown guys, but you got to think that there'll be people in the raw on the roster that are not on campus yet. Um, and so like, it sounds like their goal was to get everyone very fundamentally and technically sound at their respective crafts and didn't necessarily put a whole lot of emphasis on, big picture team schemes um, does sound like they went to some 11 personnel and worked on some tight end stuff. And you mentioned when talking about the offensive line, and we'll get to more on them in the roster portion of the episode, but he did mention that with just 10 healthy offensive line for the duration of the 15 practice, a, he was happy to kept all 15 healthy, but B in like changing the mindset and working with the and Gavi on a more run heavy scheme than they've run in the past. Um, that's a lot of like work and wear and tear on 10 guys to kind of have 15 straight practices with no one else coming to take the reps. Um, and frankly, 
in a, in the routine of a game week, you kind of have like the games on Saturday and like you still have like Sunday, Monday to kind of eat, eat the creeks back and forth and get out. And then like you have like Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Thursday are kind of like hard, heavy work days and getting back into things in the course of a normal game week with no game. Not that there wasn't supposed to be a spring game, but with no opponent at the end of it. You don't have those like easy on your body days. So every single day was really, really hard on those 10 guys. It sounds like they all got through healthy. Um, he mentioned several of them by name as having, you know, stood out in particular. Uh, more on that in the roster segment. But I think as a whole, schematically, that is not something that a year ago's offense would have had, whether that's because of the faith in Clayton Toon, Shannon Dawson on campus, mind you, Gavi not on campus. Um, something is shifting in that direction. I think, personally, as a, as a football guy, that, that's a good thing, right? You want to be able to control the clock, especially moving the Big 12 and run the football some, um, helps your defense out and all those kinds of things and helps potentially your inexperienced quarterback out. Now, I want to talk some about the quarterback battle to start the roster talk. There's lots of things to talk about in this roster. But first, we got to talk some about our Astros because they're doing well at FanDuel. <laughs> FanDuel Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook in America, and it's time for Grand Slams, no-hitters, double plays, and they are all back. No better place to get into that MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's right. Uh, new customers get uh, set up to play and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. Just go to FanDuel.com slash left on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Now, yesterday's episode, I told you to take Houston winning by more than one and a half runs in Pittsburgh. Look, I knock on wood, but as the time of recording this, that looks like it's doing pretty well so far. They're favored by one and a half runs again on Tuesday, and they got Javier on the mound. I think I think I'm taking it again, and I'm still taking them at plus six fifty to win the World Series. They start winning up a couple of these series, and suddenly it's going to feel like that six fifty is going to drop down to like five fifty or five. And so I'm saying to put all that money down. On the Strohs, I'm telling you to do it at FanDuel Sportsbook. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. Today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the Major League Baseball. All right. So I will say, um, first of all, I think it's interesting because we didn't get to watch spring game tape. The guy I had that was there at the 15th practice, uh, two guys actually, one, but they both said the same thing, was that uh, they both were more impressed by Lucas Coley than I think they were intending on. I think they kind of went in thinking Thomas Smith's got the Big 12 pedigree. He started some games, and he's a little bit older and bigger, stronger, and whatever. Um, and I think that they left, the, the two people, I don't want to you know, speak on that rap too terribly much, but they left thinking, oh, this is more of a true 50-50 battle than we maybe thought. Right, the advantage to Coley, he knows the pass calls, he knows the pass protections, he understands what Dana's trying to do in an offense. The advantage to Donovan will be that he started real football games before. And so that yin and yang will be interesting for sure. I do think, though, that it sounds like they really did split reps across spring 50-50. And it sounds like you know, Holgerson himself is still pulling out things that each did. Well, he will not name a starter, and he was fairly firm and adamant that until there's a really, really clear separation, he's not going to name a starter. And interesting thought to me, because I'm of the mindset, you know, if you have two two quarterbacks, you don't have any, right? He points out that he thinks you need to have two or three, and that's kind of unique, and it's not the first time we've called Danny unique. It won't be the last time we called Danny unique, right? But he thinks you've got to have multiple quarterbacks because, A, Guys get hurt and go down. You got to have someone step up. You can't tank the season. It's not like you'd tank for a number one draft pick or something like that in college football. And B, 
because they got like, you know, this idea of bigger rosters, guys can come and go whenever, like you need to have multiple guys in who can play the position because you just don't know when people are going to drop out and leave, hit the transfer portal in, you know, August or the transfer portal in December. You got to have guys that can play the position all up and down your roster. He acts like they're going to try and add one again before the summer in that window of the transfer portal. Um, to be fair, he says that all of his positions, they just kind of have as a staff divide up. We need four of these, three of those, you know, 10 of these, 16 of those, whatever. And the quarterback is position. He thinks that you need to have four scholarship guys in the roster with, uh, they currently have two are bringing in a third. And I feel like he's hinting at, they're going to go continue to look for those guys in the transfer portal. Now, what I think is interesting is while I think, Smith and Coley have some real weapons in their arsenal, both gifted runners. Um, they put the, I think they put the ball downfield well, but I think Coley puts down the field in the middle of the field a bit better, and Smith puts down the field in the sidelines a bit better. Um, for whatever reason that is, um, it feels like he's still looking for guys that could maybe even compete to start with those guys because, again, he thinks you need to have multiple guys that can all play. Um, a little bit different than the way I would handle that. Um, but I do think that he's giving, you know, this real competition a shot and we'll see who's starting when they line up in the fall. Um, it sounds like they were back to work as soon as the media availability was over on Monday, they went and had uh, initially, it sounds like they're, they're going to go as a full team and have like a Houston football history talk where they're basically going to like kind of, with so many new faces, build up the pride in the program, kind of explain to these guys, like, listen, this is the program that invented the Veer. This is the program that had the first black quarterback to win the Heisman. This is like, this is that system. This is that place. This is that campus. And kind of reinstitute that, you know, that uh, understanding of the program. And I thought that was a cool way to go back. Cause I know I clicked like the 16 new faces might not know that quite yet, or might not be indoctrinated in that same kind of way. Um, but he also pointed out that like, then they're going to go with their position coaches and watch, practice film from friday right which a i told you they filmed those things they could stream those things they could have put it on espn plus i digress but it also means that they're continuing to work with the time they have left they can't have official practices so in like the weight room doing those kinds of works and then to be honest i you know quarterbacks and, and dbs and that kind of stuff will go out and have like their own you know uh, captain's practices types of things on their own time right um but they're allowed to have some meeting time uh, before the end of May. And so they will continue to have those kinds of things and looking back at film or in breaking down tape of where, you know, Nigavi's been or where uh, Burchett and uh, Dana have been or whatever, right? They'll be doing those kinds of things too. Um, I will say that it'll be interesting to see as the two quarterbacks need to move. This is my last thing on them before I'm going the rest of the roster is in looking at those two guys, at what point does, Donovan Smith, the transfer from Texas Tech, 6'5", big guy, strong guy, big arm. Um, at what point does his experience as a starter start to play a role in game prep versus Lucas Coley having been on campus and understanding the way Dana game preps, you know, which of those will weigh out and be stronger? I, I guess, until spring ball, had kind of assumed it was going to be Donovan Smith, and then it sounds like Coley really does have a firmer grasp on this thing than I would have thought. I I like both kids from all the interviews and stuff that's online. All the I don't met either kid, but I'm looking forward to you hear this. Come on, we'll talk. I'm I'm happy to talk ball or pizza or whatever. Um, I I think that both kids seem like good kids, smart kids. I just would have thought that like the starters pedigree would have come in and frankly had a little bit more 
sway in the locker room, sway on the field. And I also have to say that, you know, Coley was, did work his way up to be the backup last season, but it wasn't like they just put him in a blowout to let him keep playing ball. He, he would go in and just turn around and hand the ball. He threw all of four passes last season, right? So I guess that was kind of shading me a little bit. Um, as far as other positions go, um, wide receiver room, Holgers is quick to point out, like, this could be one of the best wide receiver rooms he's ever worked with as a room. He doesn't know if anyone's going to be like the guy or the number one, one kind of guy, but Matthew Golden, he said, quote, looks great. If there's going to be a next one, he's the one, one. So, you know, take that as you want. Uh, but mention Manjack, uh, Brown and Sawyer, but all by name returning from last season, but also mention that, uh, Boogie and Cobbs coming in as transfers or two guys at receiver that can make impact right away. Uh, Jacoby is a freshman kind of impact freshman on campus already. Um, he also, I think though alluded to like you're adding three high school kids to that wide receiver room, like in June. And two of those guys are two of the highest recruited highest, like rated recruits to ever come through the university. So suddenly it's like, Oh, is there actually enough, like enough, passes thrown for everyone to get what they want here. Somebody's going to have to get registered just to like kind of even more, you know, even more evenly distribute the balls. And I feel like admittedly, that's a good problem to have at this point. Um, you do hear about wide receivers and egos at some point, a more like grandiose football thing. I don't think the guys we've got have that. I don't think like Matthew Golden's not an ego guy, um, but I do think it'll be interesting to see who starts, who rotates in, who gets what, who gets what matchups, and those kinds of things, especially if you're going 11 personnel because one less wide receiver on the football field. And, whew, long way to get there, but um, at the end of the day, you could see guys jump into the transfer portal late from Houston in that wide receiver room because they want to go somewhere to catch the football. And like Owen Houston, if Golden gets six catches and Sawyer gets two catches, Sam Graham gets four catches, Mikhail Harrison gets, uh, Harrison Pilot gets, you know, five catches. Suddenly, like, there aren't enough passes in a football game, right? And so I could see, um, you know, I, I, I could see someone jump in and be like, you know, I can go somewhere and get eight balls. I can go somewhere and get ten balls. And admittedly, like, good on you, you should go do that. But that's kind of the nature of competition, is the, the competition that room's going to bring, is going to, you know, cream's going to rise to the top. And then you might lose something at the bottom. But I think on the whole, that's a good thing for the room. Speaking of the wide receivers, like part of the reason it's an issue is because of the tight ends. And we're going to play a lot more tight end. I think we're going to always, it feels like we're going to almost always have one on the field um, with the size of Manjack and, and frankly, and Cobbs too. Like we might be able to move some guys more around on the backside of that um, and have like a big second receiver instead of a second tight end. Um but that said, it sounds like uh, Matt Burns had a solid spring. Um, and, you know, Holgerson was pushed one out. He made it through all 15 practices, which was a big, big deal for him. Um, and then uh, the transfer kid, he meant, he called him Micah. Um, Micah is somebody I don't know a whole lot about. You know, so learning the, the transfers, like, backstories and stuff. So if you got it, drop it. But um, I will say that it feels like his big 12 experience may give him a leg up. But it was interesting to see, to see that like it's not giving him a leg, to, leg up right now. And that is to say that he's not like sticking out quite yet. Um, and he, Or he's not like, he's not taking starter reps quite yet, right? And if he's not taking starter reps quite yet, well, like, what does that really mean is happening? Um, so anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, as far as the offensive line goes, they have 10 guys. They'd like to get to 16 guys. 
coach does like the 10 guys they've got um, and was frankly impressed the growth the 10 guys had and admits that the open practice or game spring game on Friday would have been hard to play with 10 guys um, because some of those guys are truly young guys um, that are still like kind of getting acquainted to division one college football. Um, but mentioned that patch Paul's a good leader. He's leading the group. Well, um, you got six guys that have started some real games. Um, mentioned tank by name is having tank Jenkins having a really good spring. Um, Pancake Hunter as a young guy, got a shout out um, as well. And I think it's worth pointing out that like on the whole, um, this will probably be the room you see added to the most in the transfer portal but it might just be added to for depth. I don't know if there's going to be any impact right away kinds of guys. Um, but I do think that you're looking at Austin line that will kind of change its mentality because you're going from, you know, when you lost Alton a year ago um, and, and the spring of 22, you knew the 2022 season was going to be even more pass heavy than you might've thought because McCaskill was that kind of running back, right? You've got to get in the rocks. Him. He's coming back. You also know what you have in some of your running backs that you might like, you know, Campbell or Snead or whomever that you might not have thought too highly of a year ago, might not have known enough about a year ago, haven't seen a whole lot of game reps, then now you have. You also have two quarterbacks that like to run the football. You don't know what that third or fourth guy may look like. Dana keeps saying that they're going to bring him in. Um, So the emphasis will be running the football as an offensive line for sure. And frankly, that means you've got to have more bodies too, because while running the football is an off, every offensive lineman's dream, right? Um, and this kind of a more run heavy offense will fit some of the guys they've got well. It's also really hard on the body. It, it was hard on the body for these guys in spring ball. It's going to be hard for these body on these guys in the fall. And so who are you bringing in to replace some of these guys or to potentially spell some of these guys will be really, really important. Um, I want to talk some about transfer ideas i've gotten looking around in the third segment so let's jump on into it um first i should mention that coastal carolina is sending a tree not sending a trio of guys from coastal carolina that are not linemen are coming to campus for a visit later this month uh, as marion uh, silas is like a 510 shifty slot type receiver daquan smith is a 6-1 more traditional 175 type receiver good straight line speed uh i thought uh, Zamarian, he, he goes by Flash. Silas is better in and out of breaks, but in, in a little bit of film I pulled up on these guys, that stuck out to me. Um, and then Christian Davis, I think, is the more impactful kind of guy of the three. Um, he's a linebacker, pass rusher type, 6'2", 245. Um, I imagine at Houston he's playing more of an outside linebacker type role. Um, he could he could make an impact. And to be fair, I guess I over oh, you know glossed over this. Sounds like Nelson Caesar had a great spring, both as a leader and as a playmaker. And then I mentioned David Wigwood from Oklahoma also had a pretty strong uh, spring as a pass rusher. Um, as far as guys, I'd like to see Houston targeting in the transfer portal. It's, first of all, it's hard because all people entering the portal fairly like unofficial at this point, right? Um, it's all kids that just opted out of their spring ball and said, hey, I'm going to the portal. Don't worry about it, right? Uh, the biggest name to me is Bray Walker at Oklahoma. He's a five-star high school kid uh, with one year left as a grad transfer, and he had trouble staying in the starting lineup at Oklahoma, even as poor as their season went last year, but he's a 6'7", 350-pound tackle, 
And again, a five-star kid in high school. So when he's like in shape and playing well, he's got great feet, got great hands. Um, admittedly, Oklahoma had some problems with him. I'm not saying he doesn't need some coaching, but I think he's the kind of guy you with a one-year grad transfer, you kind of have to try, right? Um, he's from Oklahoma, so he's not like one that, you know, classic kind of find Houston for Houston kind of kids. But I, I think he's just that big, strong, and good. Um, I also think that uh, Xavier Leonard is um, hes a San Diego State kid, uh, originally from Arlington, Texas. Uh, he's got some HBCU offers, but he was a three-star tackle out of high school. And I wonder if Houston may find him as more of a three-star type of kid, four-star type of kid at a guard position. He listed at 6'4", 310, and he is much better in the run game than the pass game which A, fits what it sounds like we're shifting into a little bit, or at least to a closer to balance team. And to me, that screams guard. Even at 6'4", it's like maybe an inch or two tall than you'd want. But if you can get more of the hip flexibility and get down in a stance, uh, the down you know body angles you want as a guard, I wonder if Xavier Leonard would be um, a good pull for Houston at guard. He's also from Arlington, Texas, so it's not Houston. It's not horribly far away. I feel the same way about Marcus Alexander, also from Oklahoma. Got two years of eligibility left. He's 6'4", 325. Um, he's a pass-blocking guard. And by that, I mean he's like good at moving side to side and being a wall. I wonder with some coaching and Iman Yagavi and you know, getting in the weight room, that kind of stuff, if we can kind of convert him into more of the 50-50 kind of guy. But he's, again, a, a highly touted high school kid from a big-time Big 12 program that was not finding his way onto the field. Um, and so can Houston sound like, no, you can come play big 12 football and get his body. in because again, Houston feels comfortable with the line they got. If all healthy, the reality of it is just that that's not like last year was an outlier, right? Houston had the same five starters for most of every snap they needed of, of real football last season. And that's not how football seasons typically go for Lyme. You don't typically have guys that get to um, carry on like that. Right. So, I would imagine you're looking for some guys that can like compete for starting jobs, but definitely will be backups. Um, and those are the three names I've got eyes on because again, Bray Walker is like a, a, pen, a ten, potential home run kind of guy. Um, and I don't, I don't have an inkling as far as online. If you got it, throw it in the chat down below, but I don't have an inkling as to where he's going, but man, if they could pull him to Houston, that's a literal giant, giant get. If you've got other names, you're looking for the transfer portal, uh, names, obviously we all want the same couple positions. If you got other names in transfer portal you're looking at, drop them in the chat down below. We'll talk about them at some point soon, I promise. Uh, make sure you follow me at painsworth 512 P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media handles to talk all things Coug football, basketball. We got to talk about the baseball team. They're pretty strong right now. Um, had a really, really good last three weeks. Uh, all things uh, Rockets are doing some fun stuff, I guess. I guess. Uh, changing up stuff. I'm going to miss Silas. Admit, admittedly, I know that they didn't want to play games, but whatever. Uh, the Astros are maybe turning things around. Uh, the Texans are getting ready for the draft. So all those kinds of things at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S, W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media handles. Thank you much for, for, so much for subscribing to the show. I remember we're giving away that uh, Jairus Walker signed jersey at 1,000 subscribers. So hit subscribe, like, and comment. Thank you so much. Remember, if you're listening to us for your first listen of the day, to go listen to Locked on College Basketball for your second listen of the day, uh, I'm actually going to be on it talking with Isaac some on today's episode about LJ Cryer transferring to Houston. It's one of the bigger gets in the country right now, and he wants to talk about a little bit of Houston on the national scene. So make sure you go check out Locked on College Basketball as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your team every day.
Go Cougs.